Hello and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. I'm Father Stanislaw and I, as always, feel very privileged to share with you the Word of God. We are closing, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the liturgical year and therefore the Liturgy of the Word invites us to look really closely to things that matter, things that are ultimately what we leave behind and what will allow us to cross over. So let us open our hearts and minds and to welcome the Word of God. And we begin with a prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, graciously keep keep from all adversities, so that unhindered in mind and body alike, we may pursue in freedom of heart the things that are yours. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lambs, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lambs are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there, are, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with them. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I said to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. We are celebrating the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, and um, probably you remember that in the liturgical year there are only 34, so we are getting closer and closer to the end. And it is proper at this time to start thinking about the end. It's always a good thing to start with the end in mind, but also finding out that sometimes when we are approaching to the end of a segment of our journey of life, it's good to take a look and finding out how we are doing, how we are going to bring ourselves into that which I've been calling the final exam, which we're going to be talking in a couple of weeks. So keep coming because we are preparing ourselves for that question. 
what he's going to do on the final exam. We know that Jesus told us, so we are no cheating. I, it's not like I have a special knowledge. I read the book, so it's in there. So what are we doing? We are preparing therefore ourselves for that. Let's remember this. Up to this point, we've been reminded by the liturgy that we as Christians have a goal to achieve. Not only we want to go to heaven, right? What does it mean to be to go to heaven? To be with God in God. How do we do that? Last Sunday, the liturgy, the church reminded us that the way we say that is to become a saint. You remember we celebrated the Feast of All Saints. To be a saint means to allow the Holy Spirit in us to help us to become truly ourselves so that we can live our lives as children of God, so that we can live our life as Jesus, so that all our sacramental life, all the prayers, everything that God has given us can bear fruit. And this fruit is this person, us, living our life fully as a child of God. And that's what a saint is. So, how do we do it? We, the goal is for us to live those beatitudes that we heard. But the liturgy, the Sunday before, Jesus told us, gave us the lens through which we can see everything we say, everything we do, everything we are, must be seen and reduced to only one word. You remember what that word is, right? The word is love. Good, good. That's lesson number one, and it's going to be the last lesson. God loves us immensely. And what does he want from us? If not that we say, I love you too. But Jesus told us how he wants us to, be lo to, to love him. He, Jesus told us that he wants us to love him by loving I'm not making this up, it's in the book. As a matter of fact, it's so important that Jesus said, by this they will recognize you as my disciples. Not, he didn't say, well, if you say the prayers, or if you do work of charity, you do this and that. What did he say? If you love one another. If you love one another. This is exactly what makes us who we are as Christians. Why? God is love. He created everything out of love. He made us in his image. So can we be anything else but what he designed us to be? Love. All right. So we got that one straight. Let's find out, therefore, how we can live and prepare ourselves to encounter God. So from this moment on, we see that in the liturgy, we are starting to focus on the end, the things of the end, the end of the world, when we will see God face to face, and it will happen. Either we going to see God face to face, for he will come back to judge the living and the dead. I have to share something with you. I had for a long time a diff very difficult time understanding this concept. As a matter of fact, when I was dialoguing, as I do, with people of other religions, um, I, I was feeling uncomfortable talking to people whose religion focuses in a particular way to the end of the world. There are some religions, some denominations, they are really focused on that. And I just never want to talk about that. Then I realized that I had a prejudice. You see, first of all, I thought that Jesus coming to judge the living and the dead, it's very unkind. Jesus should not be judging. Okay? And I said, you know, this is very unloving. Why does he come 
then I realized that I was thinking in this way because I knew that with this judging the living and the dead, I would be, I would be caught, right? Whatever I did, he has a very magic clipboard that all the things I've done appears right there. So I could not lie to him, and I was saying, okay, he's coming, he's gonna tell me all that I've done wrong. There's no chance. So the problem was me, that I was seeing this event as something that is not. What do we learn from Jesus, from what he revealed to us? The majority of images that we have from scriptures talk about these events as a feast, as the time when God calls us in, makes us sit down, puts an apron on. You remember we heard that a couple of weeks ago, and uh, puts an apron on and serves us the best food and gives us the best wine. That's what he wants to do. He wants to complete the plan that he had since the beginning, to love us so that we can truly feel this love. And the image is to feed and, and give us uh, food. Obviously, in my mind, there are absolutely no doubt that we're talking about Italian food and Italian wine. Sorry, that's what it's going to be. But um, no, that's not in the book. That's in my mind. So we know that's the image. It's a party. It's a feast. And, th and therefore, I don't have any problem now approaching the fact that one day God will judge, come to judge the living and the dead. As a matter of fact, especially nowadays, like, please, Lord, hurry. Because it, this year we've been getting through so many weird things. The only thing that's left is what? The end of the world. Like, bring it on. You know, we're ready. I'm ready. So now we are opening this parable and let's see, let's find out about this event. You know, because there is something in here that we need to keep an eye on. There is, it, it's a party, everybody's invited. God wants us to love us so deeply that invites us to this reality. But guess what? There is a detail there that should make us go, hmm. You remember those girls that they have to go downtown? They come back and they get the door locked. And they knock at the door and say, can you come in, let us in? And what does the voice on the other side says? I don't know you, but we were in a wedding party. I don't know you. Well, guess what? I don't want to hear those words. And I pray that, I'm sure you don't want to hear those words either. So let's find out what keeps those doors locked. Because God is so respectful of our freedom and of our choices that because he loves us so much he will respect us even on the other side so the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins that's how the parable begins and first of all we have to understand it's the kingdom of heaven not the kingdom in heaven so it's not necessarily something that will happen over there the kingdom of god is the place and the space where he can act he can be truly present and in himself, and himself. So the kingdom that is coming will bring to fruition, to completion, this presence. But Jesus said that we can already experience this presence of God. Because he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And even said, the kingdom of God is in you. <coughs> Excuse me. So now we know that we can make the choice of stepping into the kingdom or we can make the choice of stepping out of the kingdom. 
So, there are 10 virgins. This word is a little difficult to translate into English. They're not referring necessarily to a biological status, but it refers to girls that have not been married, and therefore, like the opening prayer says, they are unhindered in body and mind, so that in freedom they can pursue the things that are God's. That's what the opening prayer says. We want to be unhindered, that's what the gospel helps us to do, unhindered in void and mind, so that in freedom we can reach for the things that are God's, which is God's self. So the virgins is the way, I think, to enter into this parable. We can keep an eye on them so that we know how to behave. So these tens, five are identified as wise, some are identified as foolish. Um, and they're identified like this by the choices that they had made prior to going to the party. The wise one, first of all, wise does not mean that they know the secret of life. In, uh, in scriptures, as we heard in the first reading, wisdom is to know what to do. The wise person is someone who knows how to live his life because he has learned from life. Do you understand? So he doesn't have a particular mystical knowledge. He's someone who knows how to handle life. The foolish one, and the Greek word translated into foolish is, uh, and this is just the Greek word, so I'm not saying bad word. The Greek word is moron. Really, yeah. So we know that these five um, virgins, these bridesmaids, moron. That's the, English, the, the Greek word. So what, what does it mean? It means that they, they, they are just not prepared. They are not focused on the reality. You know, they, they are just in and on themselves. They are just imploding. So what happens? They have a particular job. These word, uh, virgins can also translate bridesmaids in this context. So they have a particular role. They have a very important role. They have to guide and be part of a procession. And at the time of Jesus, even, for example, Rabbi, if they, if they were doing something in a second, and if they saw the procession, a wedding procession, they would stop. They were so, it was so important. That procession was so important. Now what happens? They go, some are prepared, they have to do the job, and they are prepared. Some are, eh, it's all right, you're going to be okay. Now, Jesus changes a couple of elements of uh, the story in order to make a point. Uh, it says that the bridegroom delays, is late. Well, it's unusual, because who is late, usually, in a wedding? It's the bride, isn't it? And the bride being late, it's almost charming. It's almost expected, right? Right? Okay. Um, instead, what happens when it's, if it's the groom getting uh, if late? Oh, we get anxious, like, ooh, I wonder if he remembered that today was his wedding day. You know, we, we have a completely different approach if it's the guy being late or it's the girl. So Jesus is changing these things and makes the bridegroom late. Why? We don't know. Do we care? No. He's late. So all of a sudden now, it's midnight and someone cries out, here he is. 
let's go. So, okay, the bridesmaids now, they are getting up, they are preparing their torches because that's why they are there, right, to do the procession. Because, as a matter of fact, it was supposed to be uh, the groom going into the house of the bride and not the other way around, but Jesus is turning things around. And guess what? Ta-da! The foolish one, and now we realize what makes them foolish, they are out of oil. And they go to the wise one and says, oh, wise one, can you share the oil with us? And the wise virgins say, no. What? I thought we are supposed to share, right? Isn't that something we learned very early in, uh, in elementary school? You got to share. Why are these wise virgins not sharing? Well, guess what, my friends? Because there are certain things in life, at certain times in life, that are, we can share things. What do we understand? How can we understand this? Well, I am going to tell you a story that drove my dad crazy. There is this custom, I have no idea where they're coming from, it comes from. But it says that, you know, during the rite of ordination of a man to the priesthood, the bishop places oil on the hands of the priest. And after the prayer of consecration and things, the priest goes to the side of the altar and has a special cloth to clean up the hands because they are oily. And then the next thing that he does is exchange the sign of peace with the bishop. If the priest doesn't clean his hands, you know what that oil ends up being? On the back of the bishop, which is really cool, I think, but they didn't let us do it when I was ordained. Um, but the story goes that the little cloth is given to the mother of the priest because when she dies, it will be buried with her. So that when she goes and sees St. Peter's, she can say, I can go in because I have a son who is a priest and this is the proof. My dad said, uh, excuse me, I don't need to be technical, but I think I'm part of this. What do I get? Well, why is that story bizarre? Well, because it seems like we can go to heaven by proxy. Right? Like, I don't need to care become, becoming a saint. I got the piece of cloth. St. Peter has to go, let, let me in, because I have. Well, no. We cannot go into heaven by proxy. So we, I cannot say, you know, I'm going to go to heaven, I don't have to behave, because uh, I know so-and-so. So. People tell me, you know, Father, uh, I want this, I want that from the church. But my parents go to church every, day, every Sunday. Well, good for your parents. How about you? Well, we have, you know, we have issues. You understand there are certain things that cannot be transferred. Sometimes we also tend, in our culture especially, to misplace responsibility. A couple of, uh, I think it was last year, that the big thing was, well, the church, the parish is not holy because if a parish is not holy, I don't know how a parish, parishioners can be holy, but it's because the pastor is not holy. Well, thank you. There was a book. Yeah. Well, what is this? It's displacement of responsibility. Because I could say the same. Well, I wanted to be holy, but my parishioners like, no, it doesn't work, right? It's very weird. I'm holy, you're holy, because we made that choice. I cannot say I cannot be holy because, you know, my parishioners, uh, you know, they don't care about being holy. It's, it's bizarre. But it's very appealing, isn't it? 
because now I don't have to do anything, I just say, like people say, well, I want to be a Catholic, a good Catholic, but I don't really like the Pope. Well, honestly, get over it. The point is that we have to, there is a point that we have to make a choice, and we have to make it. Okay? So we cannot start blaming each other, but what is our role? It's to support each other. So that, you remember when we were baptized, we received a candle, and the minister said to us, keep that flame burning. So we have to figure out now what makes that flame going without start blaming. Yes, we can hinder each other's journey, but we ought to support and inspire each other to keep on going. That's the role we have, and that's called responsibility. I'm responsible for my holiness. So now they say, well, no, we're not sharing. You go downtown and go buy some. And they go. And I want to say, where are you going? It's midnight. Right? But do you think there is 7-Eleven open or something? You know, you get... But they go. But then they come back and it's too late. And when they knock at the door, the door is locked. And that's the tragedy. So what is the problem with this? Jesus says, stay awake because you don't know what happens in life. So we want to make sure that we are prepared. These girls did not make the right choice at the beginning, and therefore they dishonored the couple by not being prepared, by disrupting the rest of the wedding because they made the choice, like, I don't really care. I'm going to go like this. I'm just going to show up. So what does that do to our life? It means, especially at this time, we need to start thinking about, is my flame, is my torch burning? And if not, how can I do to get a refill of oil? God is so gracious that allows us to get free refill. So, but we have to do it. For example, it could be that in our life, we need to get to know Christ more intimately. Well, that's our opportunity to refill that jar do something that allows us to get to know the one who loves us so that we can respond more properly. Maybe we have to, for Advent, we have to read the Gospels if we never read them, or the Catechism. Maybe we realize that our union with God is weak and we need to spend more time in prayer. Well, guess what? We have to make a choice and figure out how we can get that flame going by praying a little bit more. Things don't happen. We have to make a choice that reflects our values. And what we are being told today is that what is at stake is our participation in the feast, the eternal feast. So, as we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that He is revealing Himself to us again as a Father who longs to spend His life, eternal life, with us, giving us His love already here. And he's begging us, would you prepare yourself? Would you become aware? That's what it really means to stay awake, to become aware of what we need to do in order to grow in our faith. And then we want to commit ourselves to help each other in this journey. We need each other. Guess what? We cannot become saints alone. We must understand that we are part of a body and we have to play a part. 
encouraging, supporting, loving one another. So that when we bring Jesus out there in the world, by going out there in the world, people out there want to say, I want what they have. And what we have is the hope that the love of God can be experienced now. And it's the love of God that shapes our lives and gives direction until we will see him face to face and we will hear him saying to us, well done, come in and let's have a party. And what a joy, joyful day that will be. So with this in mind, we bring to, to the altar our commitment to grow in holiness as disciples of Jesus. I hope you felt inspired to make your commitment to look at the torch that the Lord has given you when uh, you were baptized and um, find out, do I need a oil refill this week? Am I, is the flame really burning brightly? And what can I do to make sure that I will not run out of oil? I wish you well, God bless you, and I will ask you to continue to pray for me and all the people involved in the ministry of the Word, so that indeed we may continue to help each other to wait for the Bridegroom and rejoice at His arrival. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon.